Are you a realtor trying to navigate an ever-changing market? Or maybe a regular Joe Schmo wanting to be in the know? Well, we've got you covered. Welcome to Conversations with Kim, where we solve everyday real estate problems one conversation at a time. I'm Kim Miner, Principal Broker and owner of Remax Real Estate Results in Bentonville, Arkansas. Welcome to this week's episode of Conversations with Kim. Do you have a contingency plan? Contingencies. This is what we're going to talk about today, all about contingencies. So we had a little discussion in my office meeting and it it kind of came down to, you know, what is a good contingency? How is it written? How can it, how can the buyers be protected? How can the sellers be protected? How do you act within the constraints of the contingency, the way it's written in your particular state's contracts? And it, it led into a very in-depth conversation of the do's and don'ts and things you need to remember and the things to make sure you're doing to protect all your clients. So let's jump right in or dive right in here and, and talk about, you know, how you can best, you know, first of all, crafting these contingencies. The majority of the contingencies in a contract as far as something the buyer has to do before they can purchase the house is generally sell the house they're currently in. So this is mainly going back to the people who are selling one home and buying another home. And that's kind of where we're going to focus this particular conversation on contingencies because there's in each state, your your state contracts or your local contracts have things in them that we call or agents call contingencies or maybe brokers call contingencies or even the buyers or sellers believe are contingencies. And that's OK, but let's just let's really mainly stick and focus stick to and focus this week on the, you know, the one we're talking about is having to sell a home before you can purchase a home. The first thing is, is that when a lot of people sell a home, they have cash or equity that they're going to receive from the sale of that home. When somebody goes to, when they're selling a home and they're going to buying that next home that they're going to move into, they tell the agent when they go to write the contract that it's a cash sale. To me, the definition, and this is how I have been taught uh, by the attorneys that, that I have that I have been counseled by or other brokers that I have learned from, is a cash purchase. So if you write an offer and you say you're going to pay cash, it means right now you can show me proof in a bank account not an investment account that's not necessarily a bank account that you have immediate access to you could depending on your types of investments but you have cash in an account you could write a check or wire the money directly to the title company or to the seller right now to make that purchase that is what i consider a cash purchase so if you're selling a home and you're going to get cash from that home and you're going to put it towards the next home you purchase and pay cash for that home, please make sure you you advise your agent or let your agent know or agents you're asking your buyers if they tell you they have cash. Your exact question is, is this cash that you have access to right now, this minute that you could wire or write a check for? If the answer is yes, it's a cash per cash purchase. Now, depending on the which way your state or local contracts are written, it could be considered a cash purchase as long as it's disclosed that that cash is coming from one, the sale of a house. Two, it could be pulled out of the equity of something else that you own. Three, it could be a line of credit that you have at the bank, but it may be against something that needs an appraisal or something that needs evaluated. So there's there's sometimes there's some of those things that have to be done to to receive that money from your bank if you're taking it from the equity of something else. Uh, but those things have to be disclosed to the seller because they, as far as a cash transaction or a cash closing means I can give you the cash right this moment when I write this contract and I give you proof of my funds, proof of that cash I have in my bank account. And not that an investment account isn't cash that you do have. It's just it has to be 
quote, cashed out, it has to be liquidated so that you can do some. And usually there are rules, there, are, there sometimes can be uh, fees involved in this. And so make sure that the buyer really understands cash is cash. Um, and, and really, you as an agent need to understand the definition of cash and what it is and how you get it and, and where to get it. So make sure if you are selling a home and you're getting the cash from that home and you're buying another home, that it is disclosed to the seller that it is, you know, the cash is coming from the sale of the home. You don't have it right now in your possession that you could actually close on this house. So hence why the contingency is written to protect you that you have to sell and close and receive your funds from this home to be able to buy your next home. So, you know, that contingency, making sure the wording is, you know, a lot of people I see in the agent's contracts are ones that come through inside our office that say it's contingent upon the sale of one, two, three Main Street, you know, by so-and-so date. That's great. But the definition of sale, sell, whichever word you're using in there, and I've seen it interchangeable, whether it's grammatically correct or not, is really irrelevant at this point. But that word can be defined differently by different people. So when you say it's contingent upon the sale of 123 Main Street. Is that sale, it means it's under contract? Does that sale mean it's gone pending? Does that sale mean all the contingencies have been met? Does that sale mean, you know, that's the problem with that word is that there's too many definitions by too many people in our industry that are, it doesn't come down to one thing. I'm thankful that here in Arkansas, we have state contracts that the definition of closing is defined in the closing paragraph. So when my agents write, contingent upon the closing of 123 Main Street. Closing is defined by all paperwork being signed and delivered to both parties and all funds have been distributed, which means the seller has received their funds, that's officially being closed. The deed has been filed, the copies have been given to all the parties, that means the closing has happened. So I teach my agents to say it's contingent upon the closing of 123 Main Street. So that means you would get the cash from that first house that you are selling to be able to put in and put down as the cash transaction on the second home that you are buying. So make sure you're, you know, consult with your broker. If it's, you know, it's, we're different in every state, the wording's different, the way you do things is different in different states, but please make sure you're, you know, you're consulting with your broker to make sure you have that wording to, to protect your buyer. Because if you put the sale, it can, it can be, be, you know, it can definitely be misconstrued. It can definitely be not presented correctly to the seller and the seller may not understand. I, and, you know, an attorney told me before, you get what you mean. You know, we get what you mean by writing the sale of 123 Main Street in there. But if it one comes down to the nitty gritty and somebody wants to argue over the definition, it could get really ugly in court. So just make sure you ask your broker. And like I said, here in Arkansas, closing is defined. So it's very clear by saying the closing of house of the house at 123 Main Street. All right, next. So you are the buyer's agent and the buyer says, I have to sell this house and close on it and get my funds before I, because even if you don't have the cash to do the whole transaction, you're probably taking some of that equity and putting it into your next house. So you have to have that equity to qualify for the loan to buy that next house. So make sure when the buyer says, I have to sell home one to be able to buy home two, especially if they're relocating to another area and you aren't the same agent on the sale of their home versus the buying of their new home. If you're not that and you're relocating to a new area or you're the agent that it's been referred to by um, by another agent from another area, you need to make sure you you ask the buyers the questions to understand, you know, what is going on and, and make sure to properly protect them in writing this contingency when you go for writing the contract on their new house. 
So the things are, if you were referred to me and, and you're from out of state and you come and you're, you're selling your home in one state and you're moving to Arkansas and you're going to buy a home here and they say, I have to sell that home to buy this one. Great. Has, is the house on the market? Is it under contract? Has the inspection or any of the other uh, due diligence period things are different in different states? Ours here, the only one we have um, here is financing within a certain uh, amount of time. If you're getting financing, get that approval and, and provide that to the seller. And then the second is our inspection period, which here in Arkansas happens to be 10 days, 10 business days. So, you know, here have, have all the contingencies been met? Have all the due diligence, due diligence of the buyer been met? Which means, you know, if was there earnest money? Was there uh, non-refundable monies? You know, have that been paid? Have they been received? Are you on track for closing? All those questions need to be asked of that buyer because the things you'll learn as an agent when you're asking the buyer these questions is, you'll especially say, well, my house isn't even listed yet, but I know it's going to sell fast. That's great. But if the listing agent asks me if your house is under contract, I can't lie to them. I have to tell them the truth. So if it's not under contract, it doesn't look good to that seller. If your house isn't even under contract and you're trying to buy theirs and take their home off the market when yours is even sold and you have to sell yours with that contingency written in there to protect you to be able to buy theirs. So a seller, you know, you need to know these things so you can properly help educate them as to how the process goes and how the seller thinks by what they're looking at and the way you write your contract. So make sure you're asking the buyers all those questions when they say, I have to sell this home to buy this home. The next thing you should also do is ask is, you know, do you have an agent for that home? May I speak to that agent, especially if they're in another state? Because like I said, all of our states have different rules and laws and regulations and common practices and all the things that we do. And just because, you know, we only have a couple things that have to be met here until we say, you know, it's, it's gone where it's, you know, good to go and, and clear to close and be able to do those kind of things. You know, is you there's certain things that have to be met and they're different in every state. And if you don't know those and you're not licensed in that other state, first of all, you shouldn't be giving advice to buyers or sellers if you're not licensed in that other state on how it's going or what it's going. So you need to be talking to that other agent in that other state so that you can ask them the questions. You know, as agent to agent, we can have really, you know, direct and pointed conversations versus trying to figure out everything the buyer does know and doesn't know, whereas the agent generally knows what is going on. Plus, you, like I said, you can get clear answers on how things are done there. The next thing also too, when you get to that point where, Hey, yes, it's under contract. They've gone through the inspection period. You know, they have now hard earnest money and we're moving on, we're moving forward. That's great. Then the next one is, so how does the closing procedure happen there in your state? Cause I will tell you, there are some areas and even some areas of some states that still don't do digital recording. And so it's definitely one of those things that you want to make sure that, you know, you know how the closing is going to happen. So if closing were defined in every state as it were here in Arkansas, meaning the all the paperwork has been filed and all copies have been delivered to both buyer and seller and all funds have been dispersed, if they have to take that warranty deed down to the county courthouse and hand file it and bring it back and give copies to everybody, sometimes that doesn't happen in the same day. Or if you have closing at four o'clock in the afternoon, it isn't happening that day because the county offices are going to close before you can get done with closing. So, you know, you need to make sure, you know, because most, all the, you know, the contingency in Arkansas has a date by which the contingency has to be removed or the seller has, you know, or the buyer and seller agree to sign a termination. That's how our contracts are written. Again, going back to please get advice from your brokers and, and or attorneys in your states, you know, to make sure you understand how contracts are being written. But like in Arkansas, you know, there is a date by which that contingency has to be removed. I am not a fan of putting that contingency date to be the same date as your closing date here on this house. Because if anything at all happens, which is out of your control, because you don't control the buyer of the house 
you know, the buyer of the buyer's house that they're selling because they're the seller side on that. And you don't control that person. You don't control that transaction. You're not in the middle of it. You're not in the middle. And not that we're controlling transactions, but you're not even in the, the communication loop of what is going on there. And I will tell you, we all know things happen down at the end. You know, we get to the end and closing doesn't always happen on time and it doesn't always happen on the same day. And everybody's extremely stressed out and whether it's because of this or because of that. And of course, when it gets down to that, everybody wants to play the blame game. But, you know, things sometimes do not close when they are supposed to close. And trying to put a contingency of a house sale in another state that is not the same as yours, which means you're going to have to wait for those funds to be wired to the title company here for the buyer to be able to buy their, that second house from the one they're selling. That doesn't always happen smoothly. I mean, one closing transaction doesn't happen smoothly, let alone if you have them stacked up. And a lot of times people are stacked up. This person's buying this person's house and this person has to go buy another person's house. And it just, you know, you have three and four stacked up. And if one or two doesn't close, three or four is not closing either. And so making sure, you know, when you're writing these contingencies and having this conversation with the buyers and the negotiations with the sellers, having that contingency removal date the same date as the closing date is very dangerous. And it is very unlikely, very unlikely that it's going to happen, one. And two, it's even more likely it's not going to close. And you're just putting more stress on people for no reason whatsoever. How about we put two or three days in there? Because here's the thing, if you put one day, we don't close on weekends here. At least we don't here. We don't here in Arkansas. You may sign some papers because something happened, but we all know the monies don't transfer and funds don't get moved around until the next business day. So, you know, making sure you have a couple of days there in that contingency removal to get to the point where you're coming to closing on this one. I know that's a time period where they don't have a house. They close on one. They don't have anywhere to go. But if you start having these conversations in the very beginning, and this happens all the time all over the country, people, you know, it's two or three days between selling a house and buying a house. It is not unusual. Here in Arkansas, it is. We, we generally close on the same day. If you sell in the same area, you sell one, you buy another one, it happens on the same day. And that is, again, it's very hard to coordinate because you, you have, you know, buyers and sellers on each side that you cannot have any control over um, or be even involved in that transaction. So just making sure you're preparing your buyers and sellers for things that can happen, especially when this contingency is written in there to sell one house, to buy another one. Lots of different things can happen. And it's not that people can't be logical and people can't be, you know, understanding that things happen and it's not always going to go smoothly. But as an agent, it is your responsibility to educate that buyer and that seller of things that can go wrong, of things that can happen. And, you know, you're just playing the devil's advocate. You're playing the what if game. But people are more understanding if they know the possibility that something can happen versus, oh, everything's going great. Everything's smooth. Everything's wonderful. Well, everything's wonderful until the day we're supposed to close. And you're like, oh, sorry, the buyer's house didn't close or it's closing late and we can't get the funds wired here. So we can't close today. You don't want to tell a seller that at four o'clock in the afternoon, they're on a Friday afternoon, they're not going to be happy. They're mad because what happens, you know, they may have had a house to buy or they may have been taking their money and going somewhere, you know, whatever happens to be just please allow some time and communication. Don't wait till the last minute to communicate to the other side. If there's something wrong with the buyer's transaction for that contingency, you know, make sure and have that conversation with the buyer. Go, look, Mr. Buyer, this is a problem right now. We don't want to let this get out of hand because the longer we let this go on, the longer we don't tell the seller we may need a few more days to close, the more mad they're going to be. A seller's more likely to be, okay, two weeks before closing, you're like, look, can I have a couple more days? My buy The buyer in my house over here is struggling. They can't get their financing done or, you know, something's going on. We can't get repairs made, you know, something. You never know. You never know what it is. So you're all, you know, whatever it is, but that seller is more likely to be understanding and go, okay, great. I can give you two more days because 
they can plan. They have two more weeks to plan that. They're okay. They're, whether in whether it's one or two days before closing, you're like, sorry, Mr. Seller, we're not closing. My buyer can't get financing or the buyer over there can't get these repairs done or I can't get the roof replaced or whatever happens to be. People are way more understanding if you communicate early on versus waiting to the last minute. And, it, you know, sometimes it doesn't need to be said. No, but I truly believe being open, honest, and making sure you're telling people that they are, you know, what they can prepare for or what what can happen will make this transi transition so much easier for all parties involved, including yourself. It keeps the emotions low. It lets everybody know we're all on the same page. It lets everybody know we're moving forward. It keeps it from being a, you know, last minute, crazy emotions running high, everybody's mad situation that nobody enjoys. You're not going to get good referrals from a buyer or a seller if you're waiting to the last minute and reacting to everything and causing everybody's emotions to be off the wall and insanely crazy by, you know, by doing that. So I, you know, really ask the question so that when it comes time for the buyer's agent to write that contract and help that buyer through that, everybody's on the same page and everybody knows. So buyer's agent, please call the listing agent and have the conversation because I will tell you if I'm the seller's agent, if I'm the listing agent on the house that you're buying for your buyers, I'm going to ask you, is it listed? Who's the agent? And I will tell you, I will call that agent and ask the same exact questions you did. So if I can ask you those questions and you have those, I'm more confident with you as the buyer's agent in going forward and, you know, uh, negotiating this offer with the seller and telling the seller, look, this buyer's agent was prepared. They called the listing agent of the buyer's house in another city or state, and they know all these things. And here's what it is. And the seller would be like, oh, that sounds very logical. That sounds like everybody's on the same page. We're all doing great. Yes, I would like to accept this offer with a contingency versus just sending an offer over, not knowing the answers to any of those questions, not really understanding what it is or what it isn't, having the contingency date and the closing date as, as closing as the same day. You know, when you have all those things, it it indicates to me that you are either not prepared or, and if I ask you questions and you don't know the answer, I know you're not prepared. I know you didn't talk to the buyer. So it makes it a whole lot easier for you to get your buyer's offer accepted with a contingency. If you know those answers, you've prepared the buyer, the buyer understands, you write a really great contract and you present it to that seller. The seller is more than likely to take a contingency contract. Whereas a lot of times right now, especially in our area, the way our inventory is, a lot of sellers aren't taking contingency contracts because they don't want to take their house off the market for a what if, right? They want it to be a solid sale. They want it to to, you know, make sure there's no contingencies that it's going to be off the market for a several period of time. And you're like, oh, sorry, my buyer backed out in you know, this other state. I can't buy your house now. So sellers are very leery of that. But if you've done your homework and you've done your due diligence and you've asked the right questions and you prepare a really well written contract and explain as the buyer's agent to the seller's agent, here's what it is. Here's how it's going to go. You're more than likely going to get your contract accepted every time. So there's my FYIs and thoughts on contingencies. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. You can find us at uh, Conversations with Kim on Facebook. That's Conversations with AK or anywhere you get your podcast. Have a great day.